five, four, three, two, one, zero, negative one, negative. Okay, so if you're wondering why I'm laughing at the beginning of the show, this is the fourth time we've started. I have, um, we've had some technical difficulties. We've gotten through it. Uh, I went into negative integers the first time in a really um, uh, spontaneous original opening that you guys will never hear, or maybe you will. Maybe Toledo will edit this together. He has a day. Uh, but the the mic situation wasn't at maximum uh, optimism. Um, two Ooh. isms there. Yeah, maximus optimi. Uh, so, I, I, you that were sounds like, like uh, Optimus Prime's doppelganger. Yeah, like a, I, I was thinking Transformer. Autobots, do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, we got to fight these guys. Yeah, so... Uh, we had just talked a little bit about, uh, I've been out jogging uh, recently again because I saw that my cheeks were getting too fat and I don't know what level of fatness that I'm okay with. I just know when I start paying attention again and realize that I'm not where I want to be, so at least presentable and fit into my uh, expensive clothes that I bought. I bought some suits a while back and I want to fit into those and... Um, I'm I'm making my way back into that because we went to a bat mitzvah this weekend for one Ooh. of my daughter's friends. Yeah, I'd never been to one before, actually. Uh, have you? I have. I went to a, a mostly Jewish high school, Frank. Really? Uh, yeah, probably. I went to Beachwood High School in oh, Cleveland, that's right. Ohio. Yeah, yeah probably 80, 85% Jewish. Okay. Yeah, so I'd never been that. Now my daughter wants to become Jewish just for the party. It's a great uh, party. Yeah, there was a, a lot of fun. The little girl that was the, the or the new woman, I don't know how you say, it, but she was uh she was holding court and she was doing a great job. I couldn't imagine my daughter doing that at this point. So, uh, maybe there's something to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's but it it's a definite marker of like your daughter is considered a woman by the by the by the tribe, which is basically everybody, and that's a that's a rough call. That would be super weird for me. Because my daughter is already, let's just get right into this. My daughter's starting to develop, and I hate it. Yeah, it's brutal. I hate it. And sometimes, like, when you're walking through a mall and you can tell a dad is it with his 17-year-old daughter, and she's, let's be honest, a smoke show, you just I, like show. you just kind of look at him, whereas back in the day, you'd be like, wow, look at that. Now I empathize with the dad. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, we just look, yeah. and I'm like, I know when she came out of the house wearing those shorts, you were like, sweet mother of Mary, but you can't say that or you, do that you know so what my like, daughter worries about that stuff she doesn't want to wear stuff that's too short and uh i, I although she will wear very form-fitting stuff that uh, but she doesn't want any skin to show so she'll wear the um what are they called nike pros and that kind of yeah. stuff all over the place but if they're if it's skin showing she's again so at least at least she has that going for her which is nice um have you ever had to talk with her like hey you need to put some else on or put some over that no she's pretty good about it. Uh, it what about your daughter no we yeah we had to have a little talk because yeah. there was uh they were starting to go the shorts you you know were coming up and then there was a picture i saw that was just with the you know when you when you crop the top and you tie it in the front right. uh like a shoestring and i'm like no 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 so yeah, I can't. We can't have belly and thigh showing. That's a that's a no go for the Jackson fan. Meanwhile, I let my son go to school in a jock strap. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, well, this brings me to the first thing I wanted to talk about um, today because we're talking kids here. And have you seen this? Uh, I'm going to call her a little girl. I'm guessing maybe 11, 12 years old. That's doing the uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez 
impression. I'm going to use the word impression loosely because I, I don't really think she she's kind of doing a character with it, but it's like she's memorized it. It's not a great character now, and it's a 12-year-old, so I'm not criticizing the 12-year-old. This is this is part of the reason I wanted to talk about this. Um, but have you seen it? Have you seen I, her? I've seen it, and right now you sound like an impressionist that sees a little uh, competition. Okay, but coming. no, and it's not. It's not. It's not even that. Any, it's not that at all. It, to me, it's the difficult part of this whole conversation. Is I would never put my child in that. I don't. I don't believe an eleven year t or twelve year old has a political take yet. I just don't believe one hundred percent that it's the child speaking for the child uh, in this situation. I believe it's the child speaking for the parent who. Like my son has a has a theory that no matter what, um, uh, not no matter what, but kids in his grade as freshmen in high school just say they are what their parents are. So if their parents are a Democrat, most of the time they just say they're a Democrat. If their uh, parents say they're Republicans, they say they're Republicans. That's why I tell my son I'm an independent. I voted all across the board. Um, I would rather vote for a person than a party. I, I think most of the time the parties get in the way of stuff. But this is getting off a little bit on a tangent here. But I just can't. I, what do you think? Putting a kid in that situation and it's it goes a little bit back and forth. But it's it's. And I'm not even talking about Ocasio Cortez's politics here because I don't like the Trump kids. The kids. I I, should, I need to finish that statement. I'm not a fan. <laughs> of the kids who were out in D.C. with the protest with all the Trump MAGA stuff. I just think if you can't even vote yet, if you're not old enough to vote yet, and that's another topic of discussion, age of voting, but it just seems I don't know how well-formed your political take is, and I feel you're a pawn. I feel you're being used as a pawn at that point because you're a kid, and especially because if you're a cute kid, and this kid doing the Ocasio-Cortez thing is a cute kid, and... Um, I just struggle with it because I, I don't, I, again, I don't believe it's that kid's take. And most kids are going to be more liberal, I think. And the, and, and the, and so if they're doing a conservative thing, not that there won't be kids who are conservative, because I think there are plenty that are, I think there's, we've talked about that a little bit, but where, where do you come from on this? I want to hear your take before we get into a little bit more discussion. Well, what I was trying to do with situations like this, man, is I try and pull back from the tree and look at the forest. And what I see the forest being is that we as a society, I'm only speaking as an American society, I don't know about globally, but Frank, we are perfectly fine exploiting our children, especially the cute children. Uh, and that starts uh, whether you're talking about child pageants. Uh, where you have a stage mom, where you have like a show like Dance Moms, where there's ten moms in the back and and their their daughters are being berated by somebody. Uh, how often before you go on with this? How often do you think the kid actually wants to be in the pageant and not the parent wants the kid in the pageant? I mean, uh, what's 50, percentage? 50. You think would, it's that much? I think it's that much because I think some kids, even if they started off saying, "Hey, I want to be a dancer," or "Hey, I want to do pageants," or "Hey, I want to even play soccer," you at this point, the idea that you can kind of approach anything the way the way our generation did frank where it's like hey my kid's pretty good at soccer you know he goes uh he goes and plays with neighborhood kids and uh you know four saturdays over the summer we uh we play at the local park we get some teams together now you have a kicking coach your kid has a strength coach at nine your daughter has personal dance lessons from a former ballet dancer with everything is hyper 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 competitive and if you are not all the way all the way immersed 
in whatever you want to do, it, it you almost can't compete anymore. And so I, I look at that in terms of like you look at kids on YouTube that have 11 million subscribers and all they do is open up gifts. You look at kids that already have, their, you know, a, an eight-year-old has her own makeup line, things like this. Parents look at that and they go, hey, how can I stop driving Uber? Uh, Uber. I know I'll put my daughter or my son in front of the TV or in front of the camera and they'll do something that people will look at. And I think, and I the think kids, this, is, this is that. And I think the kids have a lot more chance of breaking out than the parents do. I think the percentage of a kid doing something, especially that's more adult-like, has a chance of going viral than an adult doing it because the ki the kid cuteness factor. Well, so I've that always said that on like uh what's what's the thing where you get the X's the uh tic tac toe. The, yes, that one. <laughs> what's the uh the, <laughs> yeah, the, you were actually you were annoyed by me. The, no, the the, the uh <laughs> Thank the, you. The, the the talent show America's got talent. Right. I've always said and, and I do not want this to divert from what we're talking about, but I'm just agreeing with your point. I don't think that a nine-year-old should be able to come out and sing or a seven-year-old should be able to come out and sing after you do your act because your honed act that you've crafted over the course of decades is not going to stand up to the cuteness of a seven-year-old singing a song called Jesus Loves Puppies. <laughs> I think that we are all a sucker for a little kid and we're all a sucker for a little kid doing an adult thing. And that can be a very slippery slope because I've talked to people uh, that have either looked at a child patch. And I remember one time there was a, uh, one in the um, the lobby of a hotel I was staying in, and it's super creepy when the when the girls do the the thing the 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 hand over the mouth like oh I've been a naughty girl, or right. they turn around and kind of do that little sachet with their behind. I'm like that's an adult move, and I'm super uncomfortable with that. We exploit our. So I I, I hold on. We, you cut out for a second. We exploit you. I lost you on. We exploit our. I, it, it, I, I think we exploit our children for anything, whether it's subscribers on YouTube or it's a it's a ten dollar tiara that they got from a trophy store. So where does the where does it come in though? But and we're not going to solve this today. This is just a discussion. But where does like I, my daughter wants to do some things now, and it's on her of her own volition. She wants to do movie reviews. She was on the Comic Playground podcast a little bit the, that I do with the other uh, group and. So and she she always gets real tight and quiet. Uh, you know she gets she gets nervous. And I said you don't have to come back and do this. It's if you want to do it because she'll talk all day and then she'll say she wants to do a YouTube thing, and then it'll get to the point and she's totally uncomfortable. I'm like, well then don't do it. And now she's got some certain things that she is wanting to do. And I've tried especially because she does have a cuteness factor to her, and I I, I don't want to abuse that. And I, but at the same time, I'm like this could this could uh, get Daddy off the road a little bit. I mean, there is an element <laughs> of that that makes me smile and go, okay. I think she has a great chance um, to go viral with some interesting things because she knows so much about the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a 12 year old and. She has all these takes and she reads everything. And she did a project, her project in school, it's a, called a passion project that's been the last month or two, was uh, the evolution of superheroes in uh, superhero properties in movies and television. And she's gone through how special effects, how bad they were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and how great they are now compared to back then. So she's, it's, it's her thing that she really loves and that's it giving me a little bit more of a feeling, okay, I think she could do that. But then again, 
you put the comments on, and if you're going to read the comments, those are going to be they're going to be just tons of terrible comments because they'll be mostly good, good ones. And that goes back to the point of this uh, political impersonator, the Ocasio Cortez. It's like you're putting your kid in a position that around half, maybe you know, it could be a little bit more either way, but around half of the people watching it, maybe more because it's the internet are going to go after that kid and go after the parent. And then the kid has to read stuff about you. And maybe they should because you're putting the kid in a pretty bad situation. But it's, I, I just find it weird. But and, and everybody does it and it's constant. And where's that going to lead to in the future? I think that's going to lead us down uh, difficult roads because these kids start to lose that cuteness. Remember David Spade did that thing about Macaulay Culkin on yeah. Saturday Night, on Saturday Night Live years and years and years ago, and he's like, "Remember, hey kid, we, we that we, I used to look just like you, and now look at me, kind of a thing. I don't have that cuteness factor at all anymore." So, and we look at even like, are we gonna think about the number of kids we have that are former child stars? And now we're going to have former YouTube stars when they aren't, when Ryan from Ryan's world isn't opening presents anymore, or yeah. he is at 17 and with acne and uh, struggling to, to do this again, dad. It's, I, I, I don't know. I think we're, we don't know the unintended consequences that are going to occur. Right. I mean, it's, it, it hurts to say this man, you know, as parents and as fathers and, just people that love their children and, and take the job of shepherding kids into adulthood and take that responsibility very seriously. We have to understand that we don't have the luxury that our parents had, the luxury that our grandparents had to create and curate the world that you want your, your daughter or son to know. Because once you turn on that camera, you are now exposing them to everything. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the world we live in. Now, you and I can take harsh comments, and even as grown men in our 40s, it's tough. it still stings. It stings. So it's like you have to ask, your, ask the question, do you want to give your daughter her adolescence, her youth, her youthful peace of mind that everything is great and everybody's going to love her and everybody supports her and loves her as much as her mom and dad does? That's, what, that's the world I would like to live in. But damn it, Frank, that's not the reality anymore, and it kills me, bro, because I know if my son puts a, a YouTube page up, People are going to make fun of them. I know if your daughter puts a YouTube page up, people are going to make sexual comments, yeah. weird comments, every kind of "Hey, little girl." The, oh God, just the, I but can't then even, you add you, in you add in the political uh, uh, layer for what this kid is doing or what the parent has the kid doing. Again, I just can't imagine a, a young child of twelve, whatever years old having that much of a political take yet uh, you know a kid who they uh, kids don't have to earn a living for themselves they might see their parents doing it but they they don't they might have some chores but there's not the stress of trying to survive but that's the other thing uh, on this jobs are uh, you know good jobs uh, that people want are a lot of them are going away Yes. And this is a way for people to survive. So you have to balance those things and people are using their kids to survive. That's capitalism. And if you're, I mean, I'm not saying there should be laws against this. I, I think there's just a morality issue that I struggle with. And I don't know if everybody else does struggle with it. Yeah, well, I think people more than morality, they struggle with their bottom line. And if they're like, look, here's what we have. We have you working a job where you make 41,000. I make, I have a job where I make 33,000 
and we have a real cute 12 year old daughter, a lot of people, a lot of people, Frank, are okay with exploiting that that daughter to get out of whatever situation they're in that they're not feeling. But again, the unintended consequences could be very detrimental to the child, the rest of his or her uh, of their lives. It, it, you, you're in a situation, and I get it. I, I'm not. I'm. I, I get it. I understand that. I'm just wondering if we're going to have a whole nother set of issues down the road that have never been experienced. Well, I guess they did. They it's called uh, you know after different strokes. It's yeah. called after the facts of life. It's post. It's post stardom. Uh, when the people eventually the people, and we haven't even seen that. Does a, a YouTube channel uh, like the the super cute kids? Although I know some people at YouTube that have told me that people who are getting these giant um, uh, followings, they will make thousands and thousands of dollars per year, tens of thousands if they never make another video again, because all around the world, people will be opening up those Ryan's. He could be that 17 year old kid and it lives forever as the child still there. Yeah. That, that first of all, that's weird. And that makes a lot of sense. I would make the argument. I know we're, we're going to move on, but you know, if your daughter, it seems like, because you mentioned two words and I don't even know if you noticed that you said them you use a uh, passion when you talk about the passion project and something that she loves. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, to have something that you're passionate about and something that you love this early in life. I felt like I was 27 years old and kind of wandering around until I found comedy. I was floundering. Uh, I didn't have the advantage that your daughter has and my kids have and your kids have where they can kind of see everything. Do I want to be a comic book girl? Do I want to be a, a, a wildlife uh, advocate? Do I want to, uh, you know, open gifts on the internet? Do I want to talk sports on the internet? An 11-year-old wanting to talk sports, to start at 11, where the hell are you going to be at 18? You're going to be a damn near a polished broadcaster. And that's because you're starting literally 17 years before I did. Yeah. Well, with her passion project, I 100% back it because I think if there's ever something she wants to get into and she does care about now, remember kids change how they go about the stuff as they get older, but she's been into this for a while. Hey, maybe she'll get into that industry somehow, whether it's comic books. I don't think it's more, I think it's more the movie industry and stuff like that. There's, there's jobs there. So that's, and if you're doing part of what you love, I'm all for it. So, but again, yeah. I, just going back to that, to, to recap where we started, I struggle with the political, putting your child in a political, it's an obvious political video. And I just don't believe the kid has that take yet because they don't, they don't have enough life experience. And um, it's, it, it's, a, it's AOC bashing. And I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. I'm fine with adults bashing any political thing either way. I'd rather you have a discussion about it. But to put the kid in that spot, that's where I struggle. Yeah, it's a, it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, Frank. Does it make you uncomfortable? Look, watch that segue. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That Alexa is hearing and recording everything that's going on. And the first of all, as I said that, uh, my Facebook portal just said listening. Yeah, because you say that it, well, it was the portal that actually did it. Huh? How many things do you have on in your room right now, or that could listen to you? I have my cell phone. I have a Yeti microphone. I have a built-in recorder on my laptop. 
I have a built-in camera on my laptop with the green light on that's facing me. I have a webcam on that's facing me. I also have a Facebook portal with the camera on that's facing me and clearly listening to me. Yeah, and this is a time where you want them to be listening to you, but there are times... So I had a friend who... Because recently there's been some stuff, uh, some articles that have come out saying that Alexa's recording you all the time. And they store all of that stuff too. That's why they, for the longest time, they did not admit that they were doing that. And now they are beginning to say they are storing all the information. And I have a friend. So we kind of. Is his name Snake Smelliando? <laughs> no, but I have a friend who uh, one day, you know, I play ping pong a lot and he couldn't play ping pong because he was spending the day Alexaing his house. And I was like, so every room you go into, Alexa is on. He's like, yeah. I go, don't you worry about people, you know, that stuff being recorded? He's like, not really, because I don't have anything to hide. I'm like, I'm sure you have stuff to hide. We all have stuff to hide that we don't want people knowing about in our private lives. But it wasn't so much that it was recording that that I was worried about. It was the fact that he didn't care. Like, he's like, nah, you know, I've grown up around it. That's the thing that's scared. Okay, so you know this stuff is happening. That's one thing. But to to not have any suspicion about what people are doing with the data and who could get to the data, that is the thing that worries me, is the fact that they're doing it is the one thing. But the part of it that really gets to me is when you don't have this spider sense tingling to keep the comic book uh, and movies going, but if, when you don't have that feeling of, this is bad, like I'm just gonna keep doing, like I have Alexa in a lot of places, I unplug it all the time. Now I still have the phone, but I've, I've disabled Surrey, I don't know how much that's, that's Siri, not, not um, Tom Cruise's child, but Siri. Uh, so I've disabled that. Uh, and have some other things, but most of the things you don't know what's recording, what isn't. But I'm a, but I am careful not to just talk about everything all out in the open. When I'm in my office, I have all these cameras in here, and I have that plan. But I don't want to be in my bedroom with uh, Alexa on. I don't want to be in my kitchen. A lot of topics come up in uh, an Italian household where <laughs> you don't know necessarily want everybody listening in. You know that, bro. Look. Frank, I want you to take my brown virtual hand and hold it as I tell you this. It's over, bro. They have everything. And we all, without ever saying it, have admitted it. And you know when it starts? That first time when Facebook or MySpace or anything said, can we access your contacts? And you put yes. If you've ever signed up at Gold's Gym, if you've ever used the Wi-Fi in the United Terminal, if you've ever used anything they have it. How many hacks did we hear about in the last two years? Wells Fargo, Target, just anything that, you know, Ashley Madison. Remember they got all those. Uh, Poor guys. They, they Yeah, right. <laughs> that found out that they were talking to robots. Uh, you know. All hey, and now that's the end thing, by the way. Right. They were exactly. just ahead of the game. Now, <laughs> now they actually want the robots. Yeah. It's just like, man. For every bit of convenience, like I'm talking to my, my homie right now, I'm going to do, go do a television show less than an hour. I'm not going to have time to make lunch. You know what? I'm going to call Postmates. And now <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm not going to have time to make love. And I was I like, wish. oh, poor. Okay. Listen, You're not going to yeah. have time to make lunch. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, I can make love to myself. <laughs> I count. Uh, you know, and so like I will call Postmates. I will then 
uh, tell a stranger where I work. I will then, uh, you know, when I get home, I will you I might have a dog and ha use the wag thing where somebody will then have a key to my place to come in and get my dog because I'm out doing stand up till 10 o'clock at night. So now there's a stranger that knows where I live, has a key to my place and can go through anything. Anytime that you need something done out of convenience, you are giving up your privacy. Now, guys like you and I that are of a certain age will try and hold on to it. But I think it might be a fool's errand, man. I think everything is out there unless you get life locked yeah, and but, stuff like that. But, it's but even so, even if it's out there and your privacy, can't you do as shouldn't you do something to try and maintain some levels of privacy in some places at certain times? I mean, some stuff is just whatever. It's everyday life stuff. But if you're going to talk about something that's important to you. You shouldn't do it around an Alexa. You shouldn't have Alexa everywhere. You shouldn't have... I just... I think people are getting immune to it. And that's a problem. I still have worries of that stuff. But apparently some younger people don't. And that to me is a worry. Because that's a transition to people just doing more and more in front of everybody. And there is no privacy anymore. And I think that certain people want it that way. I don't know who that those certain people are. I'm starting to sound kind of Alex Jones-ish here. But, uh, Alexa, are you with the CIA? Are you an agent? <laughs> but it's not even that. It's just, listen, there's stuff coming out now that they're, Facebook's starting to admit that they've got a lot more data than they said they did. Uh, Twitter's admitted to looking at your DMs if they, you know, they, they can. You see that stuff, and I just like I don't I don't DM people on Twitter anymore I information uh, that I don't want out there to possibly be hacked. I will either uh, tr try to just call them, or which is very old school, or give different pieces of information over email and text and different things, so it's it's not all one simple package to go find all the answers to. Um. But I, I am worried about people that just, if if enough people don't care about any privacy at all anymore, that eventually are the people who are in Congress. That's the people who are That's making the laws. And then they're like, why? Well, it doesn't bother me. Why should it bother you? Well, because I want that freedom. I, yeah, I'll tell you what I really worry about. And it's the ability to never make a mistake again. And anybody that's married, anybody, especially, and you're like a, you're a pretty chill guy. You're a very chill guy. There's a lot of people, I would go as far as to say everybody, uh, especially people listening, have had a, what I call a bad night, man. Yeah. Whether, whether you and your wife got into it and you yelled something and you wish, you know, you think about that for the next five years or vice versa, she did something or you said something out of anger or out of jest. Ima imagine the old, I, 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 I'm going to kill you. That, yeah. that used to be something people said all the time. Imagine that being on Alexa and the person being found dead. Uh, that could be used against you. And you just, it's a figure of speech. It's a terrible one, but we've all said it. And now yes. it could be evidence. And that's the thing. And, and, and let's say, you know, you had an argument with somebody, like you said, and then they went out and something bad happened. You are now the number one suspect. And when that, when they read that in court with no inflection on like you were just joking or something, uh, yeah, you just say something to your wife like, "Oh, yeah, if you forget my, uh, if you forget to bring back my new, uh, my new uh, weight bench, don't bother coming back." That for, <laughs> for uh, you know the the way that's why which is say, kind of what that for the football player recently. Uh, I'm trying to think it was on the on the uh, on the Chiefs that was the kind of stuff 
he was saying in those recordings, they were a little bit more Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, a little harsher than that. But that think about that. You don't know what that situation, the full context of everything was and what the past was leading to that. But now you have this audio and he seems to have some issues as well. But there are people who, okay. So this way I'm trying to say here is, you are a more innocent person. You get lumped into the same grouping of people who did say meaning something. That's tough. It's scary as hell, man. And and it's like, I don't think that we give people a chance. We just want to think the worst of everybody. So if some, uh, some, an argument between Alec Baldwin and his wife leaked out and, you know, he just said something that they can't believe. Everybody goes, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe he did that. Did that happen again? I didn't hear that. Was there another no, Alec Baldwin? No. Oh, this yeah, is I mean, he was really one of the first ones. Remember David Hasselhoff Hoff, drunk on the floor eating a uh, hamburger? <laughs> it's like everybody that looked at that video has had a drunken night like that. But now that everything's being recorded, that is going to be blown up and shown as like, well, this is who Al Jackson is. This is who Frank Caliendo is. It's like, no, the other 364 days a year, I'm working my balls off for my family and trying to be a decent human being every time I open my eyes. But I think the narrative and the more interesting narrative when you're trying to drive a story, when you're trying to have clickbait, is click here to hear the the terrible thing that Frank said to his wife. And then with something taken out of context, something taken out of, uh, you know, uh, which is what 90% of uh, things, not 90, but a lot of times what happens is we are all subject to have our livelihoods, our careers, our reputations, our family last name sullied because of something, you know, because you had a bad night. I understand people have bad nights, Frank. Have you ever seen a movie preview in whether it's on theaters or in TV in a commercial and they say something and you start creating theories on it, like why? And then you go see the movie and it doesn't mean anything like you thought it meant in the movie preview and that's how they get you you know they get you um they, they it's clickbait with r real life but they get you in by taking it out of context and making you go what is this and then you go and find out oh that's not what it was they tricked me this is almost that but in the opposite way somebody can use little pieces of recordings of you to get you to to come to you know the table and then they never show you the full movie they just show you the little piece and you're going i'm in trouble because i did something that was recorded that we didn't have that before and it, it can also be positive and and find people and it, there are but again does the ends justify the means i i it seems like scary morality and slippery slopes when everything's being recorded i I just don't think people will talk freely anymore and it becomes like a Ray Bradbury novel or something. So it's, yeah, it's speaking freely, texting freely. I'm like, even when I text with, uh, especially like any woman in my office, keeping it 100, I make sure that nothing can be taken weirdly because if all, dude, all anyone has to say, male or female, is that Frank or Al made me uncomfortable. Anybody listening? That's all it takes. I can tell you from personal experience because then it, it's an HR issue because if anything happens after that, after this person has complained, uh, it can be really bad for the company. So it doesn't have to be Frank, you know, exposed himself or Al uh, was drinking in the bathroom. All it takes. Thanks for that. It's yeah. Well, uh, you know, maybe maybe I might be in the handicap stall taking a couple sp spots, you know, you know, show time. But, you know, uh, honestly, 
it, it's a very scary time. And I think it does lead, and maybe this is for the best, it leads to more sterile conversations. I am very cognizant of putting my arm around somebody because I'm an affectionate guy. I'm very cognizant of saying, hey, you've been working out. You look great. I will probably think that, but I don't say that anymore. And I wonder if somebody wouldn't mind every once in a while if somebody said, hey, your hair looks great today. But I can't take that risk, man. Yeah, that's a weird uh, – that's, that's a difficult situation because sometimes you – that's a that's a conversation starter of just trying to be pleasant pleasantries of, with somebody to say hello to get them at ease not to try and take advantage of them or make them feel uncomfortable uh, it it comes down to that super sensitive uh, sensitivity and there are there are some reasons i understand for going you know too many people have gone too far but the, the, as you legislate and create more um rules i don't think people are are as open or honest anymore. And that honesty going away just leads to a grossness to me because I think people behind the scenes are saying different things than they are in front. That leads, you know, we've talked about this before. Would you rather know somebody's racist or not know they're racist? Exactly. I, I would, if I were I you, a hundred percent don't, I don't want to waste my time with somebody that doesn't care for me. Say it out the, get it out there. I, I kind of low level respect that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's, but at least, at least, at least you know where they're coming from. They're not trying to pull something over on you or something like that. You go, okay, I just need to stay away from this person, and I've done it too in in, in my life. Where I'm like, that person's that's that's not a good person from where I'm standing. So I stay away from that person. But I'd rather know rather than have some type of secret going on. I agree, and with that, I want to get to uh, this last thing I was thinking about, and. Uh, we're going to keep it moving. I was watching, um, I, we're recording on a Monday. Last night, uh, Kawhi Leonard of the Toronto Raptors hit one of the most dramatic uh, Game 7 buzzer beaters maybe in the history of the NBA. By the way, two, day, two games in one day, back-to-back, -back, incredible Game 7s. I've never seen anything like that. But you go ahead with the Kawhi Leonard whole thing. What a great, yeah, what a great day for hoops. Uh it, my question to you is because I was looking at everybody uh, that was in the arena because as soon as he hit the shot, he was right in front of his bench. His bench jumped up and hugged him. Uh, Joel Embiid, the star player for the other team, uh, burst into tears. I was looking at people in the audience that were crying, people that were hugging. And you know what I saw? And it's this weird thought. By the way, is it an audience or a crowd? I, I, I don't know if a, if a basketball game is an audience. That's Yes. But what what makes them not an audience? Because if there wasn't a basketball game there and Beyonce was there, they would be an audience. They wouldn't be a crowd. I think it's just a sports thing. It was just a little thing. So you said all the people I, around. I'm sorry that I should have no, brought this that, up that's later. That's interesting. Um, my so, question to you is like, you know, because I was thinking about going to the to the Nuggets game because I'm here in Denver and I didn't go. And you know, I looked at all the passion that was in that arena, and I'm kind of wondering what do you do to maintain the passion in your life. Because I, as I get older, I go, I don't feel like parking. I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to go over Frank's house. He's going to talk the whole time and I just want to get to bed. And I think the older you get, the more you become almost reclusive. I saw it happen with my father. My father like barely left the house the last 10 years of his life. What's wrong with that? I, that's the thing. <laughs> but I think that what's wrong with that is that you never get to be, you never put yourself in that position to be in that arena 
when Kawhi hit that shot because I thought the roof was going to blow off. So I couldn't imagine what it was like to be in there. And I guarantee you that everybody in there will never forget that. Yeah, but I uh, correct. Uh, I believe that to be true. But at the same time, I don't even think it's an age thing anymore with people not leaving the house. My kid doesn't want to leave his house, <laughs> our house, because he's playing video games and he doesn't even care to see it live. He just wants to watch it after the fact. Anyways, we take a lot more uh, a pride in seeing something live and in the moment and being there than kids do uh, today. Like timeliness is almost nothing in terms of I can go watch this later. So there's the element of that. Um, but listen, I, I've been to Super Bowls. And I, I would rather watch, uh, and lucky enough to have been to a few Super Bowls, I would rather watch them on TV than be there live. Even an amazing moment, because although I, I shouldn't say that, the amazing moment I saw Russell Wilson throw the interception uh, that lost the Super Bowl. Oh, you were there for that? Yeah, oh yeah, I was there. And we were trying to get out early because we thought... Um, we thought that the the game was over, so we were trying to beat traffic. I said I, we stopped up on the on the upper level, and I said just watch this one play, and it was that interception. I'm like, oh my god! Then we stayed and watched the rest of it, and uh, put put up with the traffic. So I I think I made my own point there that I'd rather see that moment. Um, or I, I actually was countering my own point there. I'd rather see that moment than not having seen that moment. So I do think. Uh, it's a it, there's a little bit of a, a trade-off there but people may not ever experience may may not take the chance in having those experiences and do, will they care because if you grew up poor you don't know you grew up poor you just grew up the way you were that's interesting you don't know what you missed so maybe people aren't going to care that they missed as much stuff like people aren't going to care that they don't have privacy anymore maybe this is all wrapping up together and making a lot of sense uh, you don't know what you're missing. And that's scary. That is scary. And a, a fun thing, like being in the moment of seeing that Super Bowl play, that uh, the most amazing play, that uh, game-changing play. Uh, I mean, I, I said I saw the David Tyree helmet catch too. I saw oh that. That goodness. was in Arizona as well. So in those moments, you know, that euphoria that I was here for that, I was there for that. And I saw that is a big difference than I don't have any privacy anymore and I don't care. Um, so yeah, we're losing experiences overall, I think. Uh, but some things, some things are fun and some things are survival. And I don't know, you know, where, where people will fall or what will happen, but there's a, that, both things are very interesting. Well, I, I, I'm not going to say anything after that. That was a beautiful answer, my friend. Yeah, I, I try to answer as beautifully as possible. Maybe not as concisely as I need to. But what is concise is uh, if you want to hit us up at al at alanfrank.com or frank at alanfrank.com or al jackson ig or at frank caliendo at al jackson ig at frank caliendo on Twitter, Instagram. Are you at Al Jackson on Twitter? I can. Never... I am just at Al Jackson on Twitter. Uh, at Al Jackson on Twitter is your whole yes, hand. No, <laughs> at Al. A uh, little humor to end the show, and uh, that's it for this week. I think we solved a lot of the Earth's mysteries. We fixed uh, everything we needed to fix this week. But more importantly, we tried to be serious and ended up with more questions than answers. One. <laughs> that's the way it should be. Damn it. There it is. I love you. Good job, brother. All right. You too, my man. All right. I'm out.